should look at this uh, challenge that we are all facing as a growth opportunity and um, bring some of our teaching practices into the 21st century. And I think we really have an opportunity here to make a collective leap forward in terms of um, bringing more innovative teaching um, practices into the classroom. This is a time to be experimental, to take risks, to lean into trying out new technology platforms. And let's focus right now on creativity and engagement rather than grades and assessment. This is Change the Narrative, the podcast about innovation in education and the workplace. I'm your host and tour guide, Michael Hernandez. This pandemic has forced students to learn at home and educators have had to make a fast pivot to remote teaching. This season, I'm talking with teachers and students across the United States to find the silver linings of our situation, to find out what matters most in school, and to use those lessons as we reimagine the future of education. Sam Carey is a sixth grade humanities teacher at a public charter school. His classroom is a demographic microcosm of San Francisco. His students represent the diverse tapestry of people from all walks of life in the city. Sam is also the founder of the New EdTech Classroom, a blog and YouTube channel where he shares ideas, tips, and resources for how to use technology to increase engagement, rigor, and creativity. Sam is a triathlete and long-distance cyclist. He's raced in an Ironman and has ridden his bicycle from Canada to San Francisco, as well as across Utah, Arizona, Colorado, and New Mexico. At home, he can be found playing with his two dogs, Maple and Bandit, and doing yard work with his wife, Sabrina. Um, I didn't realize, Sam, that you were a triathlete and Ironman. And I mean, I know you were a cool guy, but I didn't realize you were an <laughs> Ironman. Um, that's pretty impressive. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Hobby on the side. Uh, and the yard work, I think, is also uh, pretty important, too. Um, so we've known each other for a while uh, as colleagues and you know, fellow podcasters and things like that. Um, and you know, we're very much engaged in our communities and with our students. But I'm wondering, like, what do you secretly like about working from home? Well, first, just thanks so much for having me on. It's, it's an honor. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, this has been an interesting experience. Uh, it might sound a little bit strange since we're in the middle of a pandemic, but I actually kind of feel like my life more closely resembles what I at least imagine a normal person's life looks like. I wake up <laughs> sort of leisurely, still early, but I'm able to sit down, have a cup of coffee. I listen to NPR and I stop for a lunch break completely. I'm able to go to the bathroom whenever I want to go to the bathroom. And <laughs> that's definitely not what my life looks like as a teacher. Absolutely. People don't think about that. I don't realize that you, wait, you can't go to the bathroom whenever you want. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, you're on quarantine like all of us. Like, What have you learned about yourself while being on quarantine? I think I used to think of myself like I was a great multitasker. And something about being home has made me realize that that's just definitely not true. Like I find my attention being pulled in so many different directions and it's, I'm finding it hard to stay focused. And so sort of ironically, even though I probably have more time, I actually feel like I'm a little bit less productive in some ways. And what do you think that is? I think it's just that I'm, uh, you know, I have the opportunity to 
go play around with my dogs or um, talk to my wife or my aunt who uh, is here with us as well. Um, they're just different types of distractions and there's less of that sort of like delineation of personal life and work life. So at work, I could never choose to be doing stuff that would be uh, involved in my personal life. Whereas here, it's all kind of mixed up like that. And my working hours aren't necessarily the same working hours that they would be in my work life. So it's, you know, I, I've been getting better trying to impose a little bit more structure on a relatively unstructured life. Yeah, I think like most of us, right? Yeah, totally. I'm lucky to have my own office space. So I kind of like go in there to work and then leave when I don't want to do work stuff. Yeah, um, I'm working on trying to get one <laughs> an office space. More than the couch, way. right? Or the dining room table. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you're trapped with your wife and your aunt at the same time. How do you keep your sanity while being on lockdown? We have two young dogs as well that are always like, they look at this as like the opportunity to like play with, play with dad all the time. <laughs> they don't understand that I have to do work, hence the distraction. Um, but you know, I am lucky enough to have that and lucky enough to have a lot of open space around where I live. So I, you know, I am making a point of getting outside and walking the dogs around. Um, and you know, that's an important part of my day. It's fantastic. What do you like best about remote work? I mean, on a personal level, um, you know, even though I'm under quarantine, like I mentioned before, we're, we're all under quarantine. Like I mentioned before, in some ways, I feel like I'm actually able to live a little bit more of a well-rounded life. Um, I, you know, I have more time to spend with my dogs and with my family. I actually sit down for meals. And I've also been meetings where I'm, you know, having a video meeting with my mom, which is something that. I wasn't necessarily doing before and having regular video uh, like happy hours with friends from grad school that I haven't talked to for a long time. So it's kind of opened up these other um, ways of connecting with people that, you know, have been surprising and um, pretty cool. Yeah. I, I've been talking to a lot of uh, teachers and folks who are saying that they feel more connected now than they were before, ironically. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. And what about professionally? Um, what do you like best about the remote work? Yeah, I mean, I'm really passionate about instructional design. That's sort of what I'm in it for. I, I love classroom teaching as well. But, um, you know, in this scenario, I'm able to spend a lot more of my time thinking through instructional design, thinking about how I'm going to create interesting, engaging learning experiences for students. And I also, you know, I, I have a, a lot of experience using tech, but I've been trying out all kinds of apps that I haven't used before and experimenting with those. And um, so I'm trying to look at it as an opportunity to grow my own practice and, and learn new skills as well. And um, yeah, I think that's helped me grow actually as an educator. During well, this time. So it's, it's more space and time for you to grow professionally to like do your own professional development and experiment and try things you didn't have time for before. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I find that to be true as well. Yeah. Mm. So and what are some of the advantages, do you think, of teaching remotely, either for yourself or for your students? Yeah, well, I mentioned, you know, more time to dedicate um, to creating learning experiences. It's also given me more time to just look at my students' work and um, provide them with feedback, um, time, you know, that I might just be spent managing a class or, or um, doing some of the other things that I have to do, like in a brick and mortar school. So I'm able to kind of 
cut some of that other stuff out to um, do some of those other pieces that I think are really important. Um, and I think, you know, that's true for students as well. Like I think some students really thrive in an environment where they're able to work at their own pace through their lessons. When they're finished with an assignment, they can move on to an assignment from another class. And then when they're done with their work, they can be done with school and they might have more free time to use for other hobbies or things that they're into. I've actually heard from a few of my students that um, they're feeling less stressed out than, than they would um, during the school day. It kind of mirrors how I feel too. Absolutely. So talking about all of these different like advantages and things, what are some of the lessons you think we've learned as educators that you want to keep and implement once the pandemic is over? I think this experience is definitely forcing educators to rethink how we approach teaching. You know, when teaching online, it's essentially impossible to use a lecture and note-taking um, sort of sage on the stage model of instruction. I think we're all being pushed right now to becoming more facilitators of learning, which um, I think is a positive shift, this shift toward um, designing learning experiences for students um, rather than delivering content to them and expecting them to absorb it. I also think, you know, my hope is that a lot of educators are learning that technology can actually be really useful in terms of helping us achieve the goals we're setting out to achieve in education. You know, and I know during the school year, it's just really challenging to learn new things. It's a hectic pace and everybody's feeling stressed out. Um, but now is a time when teachers are discovering all these amazing tools that exist to help um, teachers and students out. You know, an example of that is, um, just the practice of making video tutorials, which is something that I've been, you know, kind of advocating for for a long time as a way to replicate your voice across the class, help students learn at their own pace. You know, those, those tutorials can be recorded and posted to Google Classroom and families can watch them so that they can better understand um, what their kids are doing. And then it frees up a teacher's time to pull small groups while other kids are um, working independently. So those types of practices um, that teachers are developing that I think once teachers learn about them, they're going to see how they're still valuable um, in the classroom. And I just think in general, technology can really help with improving communication between teachers and students and provide uh, kids with more targeted instruction give students different non-traditional ways to express their understanding, making creative projects like digital books and comics and graphic design and videos and podcasts. And so I really hope that we take all this, um, all these tools that we've been learning about and bring those into the classroom where I think we're really going to have a more effective classroom environment because of it. Absolutely. hundred percent. So you seem pretty savvy with all this stuff and very comfortable with it, but not everybody is um, with the technology or instructional design or, you know, we just don't have time because we've got families and we're very busy. So I'm wondering if you have some advice for other colleagues about this new normal of teaching and, you know, to kind of help them get through these times or maybe even make them stronger. Yeah, I do think that we should look at this uh, challenge that we are all facing as a growth opportunity to develop new skills and um, bring some of our teaching practices into the 21st century. And, and I say that for myself as well. Like I mentioned, I've also been learning about 
some different programs and platforms that I've been meaning to um, learn about myself. And I think we really have an opportunity here to make a collective leap forward in terms of um, bringing more innovative teaching um, practices into the classroom. And so I would just encourage teachers to um, feel comfortable with taking risks and trying out new things and believing in our students that they're going to appreciate us for it, for it. And they're likely going to be much more savvy with the stuff that we throw at them and much more capable of navigating it than we might be. Um, so that would be my biggest piece of advice. Just take the risk and take the chance and go ahead and, you know, throw something at students, even if you don't fully understand it and, you know, it's probably going to go. Okay. Fantastic advice. I love that. Yeah. Um, so you've talked about a lot of silver linings from our situation, whether it's remote work, remote teaching, if you had to narrow it down to one, what's the one most important silver lining for you out of all of this? I just feel less stressed out during the school year. I feel like I'm working 24 seven and uh, I just feel like I have a little bit more balanced life here working remotely. It feels more sustainable. There you go. Right. I've, I've framed it for myself as like more humane. I think it's a more humane totally. way of living and working. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as somebody who's in the trenches and has a lot of experience doing this, what advice would you want to give to policymakers um, as far as changes you'd like to see or policies you'd like them to adopt as we look to next school year and as we reimagine the future of education? Yeah, I think this moment has really shined a bright spotlight on the digital divide um, like no other moment in, in our human history. And um, I think it's also helped us sort of redefine the definition of the digital divide. I think for um, the most, most of the time that, um, you know, I've, I've heard that term, it's mostly used to refer to a divide in terms of access to hardware um, and, uh, and the internet. But what we're also seeing is that that divide um, is also in tech skills and that it's just incredibly important um, that if we're going to be focused on educational equity, that we're providing all students with access as well as um, skill development in technology. So, you know, I think I really hope that this um, moment helps us make um, some significant shifts. I think there are uh, four that I'd like to see. Um, one is um, universal free access to Wi-Fi um, nationwide, um, I think is really important. Um, I, I have long advocated for every student to have a one-to-one um, personal uh, device. I would go even further to say students should also have access to a tablet because it's a creativity device. If you have a world-facing camera, um, schools should have um, all have computer science classes, um, should have access to virtual reality headsets, 3D uh, printing um, devices, um, and that should just be uh, universally adopted. With that, I also um, would like to see schools adopt uh, technology standards um, nationwide. I think like the ISTE standards would be a great place to start with that and start to treat technology skill development on the same par as uh, reading and math skill development because um, the uh, the discrepancy in skills uh, that we're seeing right now um, has just a great of an impact on somebody's ability to get a job to be college prepared as one's abilities in uh, math and reading. And then I think 
in order to do that, schools are going to need to uh, really obviously prepare teachers to be able to do that. And so my hope is that um, school leaders uh, take this opportunity where all their teachers have sort of been forced into using a lot of these platforms as an opportunity to launch into uh, some more innovative practices when we return to our brick and mortar schools um, and really, you know, look at how we can do, you know, uh, basically have a more holistic approach to technology integration and take advantage of the fact that everybody's now done it a little bit. Yeah, definitely. But that sounds really expensive though, all that tech, like how, (laughs) how are we going to manage that? You know? Well, I mean, the other piece that, you know, they, they finally kicked in later. Um, but I wished it would have happened sooner, but I think, you know, some of these private companies, um, I'd like to see them play a larger role in terms of donating devices and also helping, um, you know, schools and cities and rural areas with getting access to the internet. I think, you know, it's mutually beneficial um, for some of these companies. Um, And, you know, I also think the government plays a role as well. So I haven't done as much thinking about the specific policy and and, um, where that's going to uh, come from. But um, I have just identified it as, as a need for sure. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Of course, 100% agree with you on that. Um, it doesn't matter, like math, science, history, literature, it's all digital. You have to access it that way and create content that way. So, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, are there any final pieces of advice that you'd like to give to teachers or parents or policymakers about remote learning? I think it's important in this time to be empathetic and understanding of the varied experiences that students are having with remote learning. That being said, um, I think that rather than pulling back and doing less, that um, this is a time to be experimental, to take risks, to lean into trying out new technology platforms. And let's focus right now on creativity and engagement rather than grades and assessment. I do still think we should be continuing to provide students with challenging, engaging work and maintain high expectations and believe in them that they're also going to be able to rise to this moment in the same way that I've seen teachers all around the country uh, rise to the moment by trying out all these new things and, and stretching themselves and pushing themselves out of their comfort zones. I love it. That's great. Well, Sam Carey, thank you so much for joining me and this great conversation. I love your insights. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much for the opportunity. It's always great talking to you, Michael. If you like the podcast, rate us and write us a review. It helps people find us. And don't forget to sign up for our monthly email newsletter. You can find the details on our website, changethenarrative.net.